This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It'll be a good day, I promise you. If you need a Bible, once you raise your hand, our ushers would get you one. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you with us. And if you're a regular, we're blessed that you're here today too. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We are on our second week in the series of Dominion. And I believe there'll be scriptural reference today that'll really help you. Again today, my prayer is for every one of us that uh, God give us revelation knowledge on this, that God's able to move in this area and really, really help us. Luke 12 is where you're going. I'll give you a little bit of time to get there. You know, recently I heard a, a young man who made the comment and he said that Jesus preached love and acceptance. And when he said it, it kind of rubbed me wrong because I could tell he, he wanted me to be a place where he accepted his lifestyle and his sin is what he was saying. But when he said that Jesus preached love and acceptance, I thought, well, you know what? I might as well just go into the Bible and find out what Jesus really did preach. So in Matthew 4, verse 17, it said Jesus repre- he preached repentance. The Lord Jesus preached repentance. Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, analyzed the word repentance and acceptance. There's a huge difference. And then in, in Matthew 4, 23, he said he, he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the reason I want to highlight that right there is because when you look at the word kingdom, there's two words in there, the king and then the D-O-M, the dumb. And so when you see king, it's the king dominion. It's a king with dominion. So when Jesus preached the king with dominion here on this earth, this is what he's talking about, his authority today. So again, this, this will help every one of us, I believe. So we begin Luke chapter 12, verse 29. And do not seek, and if you'll highlight that, do not. Do not seek. Do not obtain or strive after what you should eat or what you should drink by meditating or reasoning. Nor have an anxious mind, nor have a troubled or unsettled mind. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there before. Or man, you just begin to worry and you try to reason things out. And so Jesus right here gives us great insight. And he says, don't do this. Don't become preoccupied with material things and self-ambition. Verse 30. For all these things the nation of the world seek after. And when it says that the, the world, the nations of the world seek after, the, the pagan or the secular world seeks after, and literally this is a system that opposes God. So I'm going to either do it God's way or I'm going to do it the world's way. And he goes on to say, For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Verse 31 but seek the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God. So he gives us an insight and he says, your first priority, your number one priority is to seek the things of God. And I, when I get my life in that order where God becomes priority, look at the promise the Lord gives us here. And all these things should be added to you. 
But the truth is, is I, I've got to learn to live by the kingdom. I've got to learn to live by what the king, King Jesus, the Lord Jesus says. So oftentimes we as human beings, we want the things of God, but we just don't want to do them God's way. In other words, we want the fix without the fellowship. And I, I can't get the, the, the things from heaven unless I have a relationship with God. God wants you to fellowship with him. God wants us to praise him and to thank him and adore him. So again, part of this this morning is learning how the kingdom of heaven operates right here on earth. So turn back with me the book of Matthew to your, to your left to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now in this passage of scripture, man, the Lord Jesus is going to give us incredible information on many areas of our lives that pertain to us right now. So we begin Matthew 16, verse 13. And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now, it's, it's interesting that it notes specifically the region Jesus went into. And this area called Caesarea Philippi was in the far northern part of Israel. Really, it's right on the, the, the Syrian border, right below Mount Hermon, which would be north of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the reason I believe this is highlighted in this, that the region of Caesarea Philippi in this time is because they were engulfed in pagan worship. They worshiped the, the, the Greek gods and their temples were devoted to the worship of a demon, the god of Pan. And so what's interesting here is they not only note the region that he's in, but here's a great, another way to look at this. Jesus didn't avoid this area. He, he went smack dab right into the middle of what we could call the devil's territory. He wasn't phased by it. He wasn't moved by it. Remember what Jesus said to the religious leaders? He said, listen, fellas, I didn't come for those who are healthy. The physician comes for those who are sick. And so just because this was an ungodly area, it didn't prevent Jesus from going into it. So we keep reading. And he's asked his disciples and he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Now, when you see the phrase of the son of man, that's the, the, the greatest title that Jesus mentions himself while he's on earth. He references himself over and over as the son of man. And the reason he does that is again to say, I didn't come to the earth as the son of God. A lot of people will say when Jesus was on earth, the reason he was allowed and, and the things that he did was because he was the son of God. No, he was the son of man. He came in flesh and blood. He was tempted and tried just like we are, but with, with yet out sin. And so he declares something here. He's the son of man. Verse 14. So his disciples said, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? The Amplified says, who do yourself say that I am? And this is very important, okay? Not who your grandmother says Jesus is. 
Not who your mother says Jesus. Not who your pastor says Jesus is. Who do you say Jesus is? Now, this was Jesus' questions to his own disciples. Verse 15, verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, again, there's nuggets in this that we must get a hold of because Peter specifically calls him the Christ, the Messiah. But he also calls him the son of the living God. Now, there's a lot of religions that will call Jesus a prophet. Some will call him a teacher. But when you call him Lord, that's a whole nother different arena. And when you call him the son of God, because remember the religious leaders, when you would say the son of God, they would say that's blasphemy. But it's interesting right here that Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. Now, watch in verse 17, Jesus's response. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you. So when Peter identified Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus point blank said, there's a blessing attached to your life because of that choice, because of that confession that you just entered into. So if Jesus is Lord of your life, that you believe he's the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God, there's a blessing on you. And there are about four of you happy about that. You know what the word blessing means? It means happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Ooh, that's, what, that's what Jesus said to him. He said, Peter, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. And so what revealed this to him was he had a divine revelation exactly who Jesus was. That's my prayer for all of us today. That we get an understanding who Jesus is and then we get an understanding of what Jesus died for us to have and how to live. And so he said, blessed are you. Verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Now the word Peter means a stone or a rock. And so Jesus said to him, Peter, stone or rock, now look what he goes on to say in verse 18. And on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. Now the interesting thing about that statement, on this rock, Jesus was identifying himself. It cross-references us into the book of Ephesians 2.20 that says Jesus is the cornerstone. So Jesus becomes our foundation. I'll never get away from my foundation, okay? I can't. That's what everything is built on is upon Jesus. Your salvation is built upon the Lord Jesus. Everything I do as my Christian walk is built upon the Lord Jesus. He's justified me. He's sanctified me. He's consecrated me. He's redeemed me. Every one of those. So literally, this is what I believe Jesus was saying. I'm always going to be the foundation, but I'm going to take the Peters of the world who believe I'm the son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, and you're going to become my hands, my feet, and my voice while you're here on earth. And so he says, you're the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades 
the pit of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what a statement here that he gives here. The gates of hell won't conquer it, my church. The gates of hell won't overcome my church. And the expression of the gates of hell is this right here. It means the power of death cannot prevent the advance of the kingdom of God, nor can it claim victory over those who belong to God. So, I mean, there's a blessing on you right there. Huge blessing on us right there. The gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail over us. Now, I'm going to get into some details on this. Two months ago at this time, because of many of his generosity, me and Shelly were able to go to the country of Israel. I visit this exact place, Caesarea Philippi. I'm there. And you get the setting. It's at the base of this mountain, almost like a cliff. And probably, I would say, 100 yards from the base of this mountain, this cliff, there was an area where the natural waters come underground and they come to a spring and it's the beginning of the Jordan River. Most believe that's where Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? But about 100 yards away, and I'm looking back this way because this is how it would have been. It would have been this way. And Jesus looks at the base of this mountain and at the base of this mountain is where they worship these false gods, the God of Pan. And where they worship the God of Pan, this is where they would bring the sacrifice of animals to start with. And remember back in those days, man, there was no remission without the shedding of blood. And so they would sacrifice these animals at this altar to the God of Pan. But after a period of time, those sacrifices to the animals, they weren't sufficient. So this is where they begin to sacrifice their children. So Jesus is telling them, who do you say that I am? And when Peter responds like he does, then Jesus points at this and says, and the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. Literally what he was saying there is this place right here in Caesarea Philippi, at this time, this was the worst place on earth. It doesn't get any uglier than this. And Jesus says, as bad and as ugly as this is, the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. Now to understand the word gates there, in, in the time of the Bible, all their cities had walls built around them, every one of them. Remember the walls of Jericho? And the only way you could get in those cities was through the gates. The gates is where you came in and the gates where you went out. And so whoever had the keys to the gates, they literally had the authority. They were endowed with authority. Now what I found out about these gates is this is where legal matters and legal counsel was done. Right there at the gates. Proverbs 8.3 mentions it. Another great reference to that is the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 1, with a man named Boaz. If you want to study that, go ahead. But here's another area of the gates. Shelley brought this up a minute ago. In Acts 3, it says Peter and John went up the temple to pray about the ninth hour. And they went to a gate called Beautiful, and that's where the man was, the layman who stuck out his arm and asked for, or he stuck out his palm and asked for an arm. And Peter said to this, he said, Listen, 
Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now that took place at a gate. And so when you begin to see what he says, the gates of hell, the authority of hell will not prevail against my church. Now watch how this begins to play out. Verse 19. And Jesus said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Remember, keys denote authority. Jesus said, I'll give you the authority of heaven. So now we ask ourselves this question, where did Jesus get the keys? Hold your place right there and go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Just a couple pages. And I want you to see some things here biblically how Jesus legally is able to say, and I give you the keys. I give you the keys. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped. The word worship there means they reverence, they serve. But what's interesting here is he's getting ready to give them the great commission. The Great Commission was birthed in a content of worship. Something happens when we worship. And so it says they worshiped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. Now you may want to underline the word all. Not some authority, not a little bit of authority, not poquito authority. There's my Spanish for you today. All authority. And, and note here at the end of verse, six, or verse 18, where at? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he said, go therefore, or better stated in some translation, it says, you go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus literally says is, I'm going to give you the keys, the authority, and you go in my name, and you do all that I assign you to do. So we become his hands and his feet. We become his voice. So I look at that passage right there, and it's cross-referenced into a messianic uh, prophecy by a man named Daniel. Let me read this to you. This is Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Now this was prophesied 2,000 years before Jesus came. Coming with clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, which was God, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion, and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Now, if you were to look at that even farther, he hands that authority off to, to, to the believers. So when we go back to Matthew 16, go back there, back to verse 19. When the Lord Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. You know who he was saying that to? 
He was saying to the very ones that would confess Jesus as Lord, the Messiah, the Christ. So if you've given your heart and you're born again, he's given you those keys. And remember the keys, the note authority. I give you the keys. Now look what he says. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so again, when I see this, Jesus gives us the keys to lock and unlock. And so to help you and me, myself, even with this just a little bit, the keys he gives us are delegated authority. To, to help us in the area of delegated authority, we, we have some pretty big men in here and some pretty strong men. But there's not one man in this room that if a car's going down the street and is going 30 miles an hour, as strong as you are, you're not going to be able to stop it in your own power or your own strength. It's not going to happen. And we could prove that today if we wanted to have a human sacrifice. I don't know that we want to do that. But when you give a human being delegated authority, even though I don't have the physical strength to stand against the car, with delegated authority I do. So you put a uniform on a man or a woman and you give them a badge, that's delegated authority. Now I've watched delegated authority recently that I'm at the intersection of 82nd and Frankfurt and the lights are out. So again, it's a major through fare here in our city and you've got traffic coming from the east, the west, or everywhere. And I get up there and everything stopped. And there's a police officer standing in the middle of the street. And guess what he does? When he does this, you know what people do? They stop, especially if they're smart. I saw him doing that. And then you know what I saw him do? And one lane would go. They would all follow order until he did what? And he would go. And then he'd point to this one. It wouldn't be good to give me a badge. Oh, my goodness. Ooh, that would be dangerous. <laughs> I would have fun. Don't, don't give me a fake badge, whatever you do. How do we know that? Because we recognize the delegated authority within him that who gives that to him? Well, in our state, it'd be the state of Texas, but also the city of Lubbock. And so you know what the Lord Jesus said? I give you the kingdom. I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give it to you. Now, go back to this here because there's some nuggets here. We've got we to really get this today. I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you, whatever you, whatever you, he didn't say whatever God. And there's a lot of people that have the thought, God's going to do it. I'm just waiting for God to do it. But Jesus said, whatever you. But did Jesus make a mistake? Did he mean to say God, but he actually said you? No. Jesus knew precisely what he was talking about. So he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Now look at this. 
Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You, the Peters that have gotten born again. So he's given us delegated authority. We must understand the word bind and the word loose. The word bind means to forbid. In other words, it means to lock. The word loose, when I look at this, the word loose means to forbid it, to unlock it. And it's interesting that he says, whatever you bind right here on earth, heaven will sanctuate it and it'll happen. But again, too many of us, we don't understand the dominion that Jesus has given us. And so literally, I believe this, Jesus has pitched us the keys. So now some of you begin to get a little bit of an idea when I said, I sense the Lord whisper to me at times, you're putting up with way too much stuff. You're allowing the devil to dominate stuff in your own home. You're allowing the devil. And Jesus said, I gave you the keys. They're yours. Now, you want to see the keys, the significance of the keys? Go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Woo, when you start loosening, you start binding. You use your kingdom authority. Heaven responds. Colossians 3 verse 17. And whatever you, there's that phrase again. It doesn't say, and whatever God does. It said, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The Amplified says it this way, and whatever you do, no matter what it is in word or deed, do everything in Jesus' name independence upon. So here's the truth of that verse right there. Jesus isn't just part of the keys. He is the key. So if I get what he's saying here, all my authority is in the name of Jesus. I, I have no power, no strength, no ability against the, the, the darkness of this world. But when I come in the name of Jesus, all the hell takes notice. How do you know that? Turn back one chapter to Colossians 2. Verse 15. Talking about Jesus saying, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. This was talking about Jesus. So now we ask this question. Who, who's the principalities and powers? They're the fallen angels. They are the third angels that choose or chose to follow Lucifer. And so it says right here something. It says Jesus disarmed them. That would be like a lion still having a mouth, but he doesn't have no teeth. Man, some of you say that's, that's quite an expression. There's a, that's how you got to look at him. And it says that Jesus disarmed principalities. Who did he do that for? He did that for me and you. And so guess what he says here? I gave you the keys. I gave you my name over them. 
This is the grounds of authority. This is how Jesus did what he did. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus defeated them. Now, go back one chapter to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13. He has, the Lord Jesus has, he's already done it. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. And he's conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. The new living said, he rescued us. Romans chapter 5, 17 says, we will reign in life through the one Jesus. So guess what Jesus says to every one of us? I gave you the keys. I gave you dominion here on earth. And so I think back in my life all the times that I've, I've used the name of Jesus and I've seen the name of Jesus used. And I, I remember one of the first times I ever saw the name of Jesus. There was a guy who was going to Bible school. And I'm telling you, this guy was so full of God. He was bold. I mean, just bold with the things of Jesus. He was one of the ones that if, if the devil messed with him, he'd say, okay, I'm going to the mall today. And I'm going to win 10 people to Jesus. And he would. I mean, I'd see him go through the mall and he'd look at young ones, old, and say, you born again? You know Jesus? No, Jesus. And man, he'd go at him. His name was Tim. We called him Sporty. Sporty Orty. We're walking down a street one day, and we're soul winning. I'm walking with him, and him and my brother, and some things are taking place. And there was a, an apartment with a balcony on the seventh floor. And I'll never forget. We're talking about the name of Jesus, and this guy upstairs in the balcony... He starts mocking us. And he starts telling all the people down there, don't listen to them. Yak, 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 yak. I knew it was the voice of the devil. And he started yakking. I mean, he started cursing us in God's name. You blankety, blankety blanks. And old Sporty Orty thought, I've had enough of that. And he goes walking up the stairs. He doesn't knock. He goes into that guy's room. And he walks up to him and he says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Now remember, anytime Jesus rebuked things, and Jesus rebuked the wind, he rebuked trees, he rebuked uh, the sea, they responded to him. Over and over, I'd see it in the New Testament. And so when, when Tim started doing that, he wasn't addressing that man. He was addressing that spirit in that man. And when he said, you shut up and come, he wasn't, he wasn't saying that to that man. He was talking about that spirit was in that man. And I saw the man right before my eyes bow and wither. And he gets on his knees and begins to weep. He gives his heart to Jesus right there. And he says, five years ago, I was an ordained pastor and I backslid and the devil came into my life. And I saw the name of Jesus go to work right there. I'm, I'm 19 years old and I'm thinking, dear Lord, what's going on here? A couple weeks later, one of the guys who was one of my great friends and a mentor at the Bible school I went to, I was around him all, all the time because he lived in the car, apartment complex. Now, this guy, he, he dressed to a T. 
I mean, he, he, he always dressed. Looked sharp, had ties on and everything. Now, this will date us a little bit about how many years ago we were. But he was a black man that had a big old afro. Always perfect. And I'm at Bible school and there was some ruckus going on in the back. Some things taking place. And a guy in charge says, bring that boy up here. And they bring this young man up there. And I'm telling you, at that point in my life, I don't know that I'd ever seen someone that was full of the devil, demon-possessed. I've seen it on several times in my life now, even here in America. And so they bring this young man forward, and right there in the name of Jesus, they tell that devil to leave him. You gotta go. You gotta go in Jesus. Come out of him in Jesus' name. Before long, I saw this young man, his countenance completely changed. And he kind of looked, and there was a peace of God that came on him, and it was all done. It wasn't screaming and yelling, it was just in the name of Jesus. You gotta go in Jesus' name. So after it's over, man, I, I'm at home and I see, his name was Larry, and I see Larry and I said, dude, I got to talk to you. I said, there's some things I saw today, you got to help me. And he said, it's the name of Jesus. Well, when I see Larry, his tie is all messed up. His afro has a hair right there where you could see this, guy, this kid's hair. His hand had gotten his hair. And I was looking at him, I thought, man, I've never seen you so out of order like you are. And he said, man, we just use the name of Jesus. And I said, tell me about the name of Jesus. And he starts in, in telling me over and over about the name of Jesus. He said, it, it's, it's not me. I'm just the man. It's the authority that Jesus has given me. And so when I begin to see that, my prayer for my own life was, I said, Lord, you got to give me a revelation of the name of Jesus. I, I just don't want to know about the name of Jesus. I want to know the name of Jesus. Where when I begin to speak in that name, I realize that that authority that that police officer has, when a police officer does this, he's not crossing his fingers saying, boy, I sure hope this works today. <laughs> Me or my wife's going to be without a husband tonight. But see, sometimes you get around believers that they walk in that and you see that and you think, do they get dressed in, in phone booths? No, they don't. There are men and women that have grown up understanding the power, the authority of the name of Jesus. Now, you may have never seen this before. Some of you may look and say, I've never seen that in the word of God where Jesus pitched me the keys. He said, I give you authority. Many of us in this room, we've been around the name of Jesus, but the problem with many of us is I become lazy, I become apathetic, I become complacent, and I quit walking in the authority that I've given, been given, even though I know the name of Jesus. Man, something needs to be stirred up with us today. And it's the truth of the word of God. And so I don't, I don't know where you're at in your home. I don't know where you're at in your marriage. I don't know what's going on. But God's given you authority. He's giving you authority in the name of Jesus. Now remember, that authority is not over people. It's over the darkness. That's in two weeks, okay? You got to come back to hear that part. Why don't you stand up with me? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.